Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind, episode 54. I'm talking to Tyler Hasman in this episode. He's a young, young real estate entrepreneur from Canada. Uh, this guy's already amassed $12 million worth of multifamily apartment buildings in a span of six years. He started off at 18. Uh, so for those of you that think that uh, 50 year olds plus, you know, older people are the ones that are the ones buying multifamily or big residential or big commercial properties that is incorrect uh doing the proper training and believing in yourself and also networking can lead you to be able to have success in the real estate game at an early age or early in your real estate investing career so please listen to this episode uh this got a wealth of information from a young man that has figured it out and is doing great so thank you for listening and i hope you enjoy Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. Good evening, Tyler. I really appreciate you taking the time this evening for this podcast. This is uh, episode, I think it'd be episode 54, man. So we're kind of rolling with it. Uh, if you could please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. And so my name is Tyler Hassman. I'm a real estate entrepreneur originally from Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, for all you listeners, hopefully you guys, you know, if you don't know where that is, Google it. It's a pretty pretty um, interesting place up here in Canada. And I currently currently reside in Calgary, Alberta, which is just beside where I grew up in Saskatchewan. Um, but previous to that, I've lived in uh, three different countries. I've done real estate in three different countries. Um, I've traveled a whole lot. I've done everything from buying apartment buildings, fix and flips, Airbnbs, ran a hotel. I've done consulting. Um, and I still do all of that as well. And um, yeah, I'm very passionate about real estate and entrepreneurship as a whole. And I'm super excited to share some things on this podcast, all the highs, all the lows, and kind of give some insights as well. And uh, so what got you into real estate? What and then what at what age at that too? For sure. So I originally got interested in real estate when I was 17. Um, I just graduated high school and, you know, I did, I, I was always an entrepreneur. I was always very entrepreneurial. And, um, you know, in high school, I was always reading Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, and like just really obsessed with all of that. 
And I didn't know really, I tried different things in high school, you know, selling t-shirts, you know, out of my locker and on clothing stuff and, you know, did lawn, uh, lawn care and just like hustled yeah. for anything. And I loved that. And I loved sales. So I got into sales and the whole entrepreneurial thing. And it was the one time hanging out with my friend and we're 17, 18 at the time. And he was also pretty entrepreneurial too. And we both wanted to just like do something. And we were just Googling, literally Googling like, you know, business ideas or best, you know, best ways to build wealth and all that kind of stuff. And real estate kept coming up. And we thought yeah. that was a cool. That, that's honestly the thing. We thought it was cool. We're 17. We're like, man, imagine owning real estate. That's cool. You know, so um, and we just got excited about that. And then from there, um, I started going to like uh, real estate networking events, started meeting other real estate investors that led to coaches and mentors and learning from them. And then it kind of just spiraled effect into a, into a passion that's, uh, you know, I, I still love to this day. And for the reasons why I love real estate so much now is, you know, it allows me to live the lifestyle that I want, you know, whether that be, you know, financial freedom, passive income, location freedom, there's a lot of you know, cool opportunities uh, that real estate has to bring. And that's why I love it. It comes with a really good lifestyle. And so uh, what was your first deal? Yeah, my first deal was a $1.5 million apartment building when I was 18 and around 18, I believe. And um, it was a brand new apartment building. And, you know, it was, it wasn't something small. I lived at like literally dude, never even had a credit card, never, have bought anything big in my life. I was still living at home in my parents' basement. And with my business partner, Bailey, you know, what at the time, what we did is, you know, we wanted to first off do a fix and flip. I mean, you see it on HGTV, you see it on YouTube. That's the thing, right? Your first real estate deal, go fix and flip some really ghetto property that's like for sale for like $10,000, $20,000. And that's what we were going to do until we were at an event and we people were talking about multifamily investing, of buying apartment buildings and doing joint ventures, which is using other people's money. So, you know, having 50% owner or whatever it may be, bring the money and the other 50% is going to be the operator or the person that brings the deal and does the work. So when we found out about that, we're like, let's try this. So we tried that and sure enough, we found a really good deal, a good off market deal. And we're able to present it the right way to our network of, you know, um, people that we knew and sure enough, we raised the money and we're able to close on it. And it was, it was wild, man. Like, you know, um, to be that young and doing a deal like that, it was certainly, you know, um, you know, certainly amazing. And, you know, we, the reason why we were able to pull it off though, is because, you know, we just educated ourselves very heavily. We made sure we had mentors and had other people backing us. They're able to guide us through that. So even though it was our first deal, you know, we had the, the know-how of how to do it, you know? So um, first deal, massive apartment building. And so um, you started off, first of all, awesome. That was awesome that you started off so, uh, such a huge deal like that. How many units was that? It was 12 units. Okay, so to start off with 12 units. And so how did you know, and first I'm gonna ask, how did you know? And then what did you do to uh, break down everybody's responsibilities? So first, how did you know what, where everybody should go, what to do with such a deal so big like that? Yes, for sure, man. So like what, right away, right? The big thing is when, once we learn, like the big piece, the big, big piece about this that I kind of skimmed over is like before we went and did this deal, we spent like tens of thousands of dollars to learn how to do this, right? And that's the biggest 
the biggest thing. Like there's a lot of people out there that are like, hey, well, I'll just watch the YouTube videos and read books and I'll slowly get to that level, right? And you can, it'll take a lot of time. But me and my business partner at the time are like, no, we want to do this right now. So what we did is we found someone that was doing it and doing exactly what we were wanting to do. And that's buying apartment buildings, paid them a bunch of money to learn their systems and have them mentor us to be able to do it, right? Because we spent a full year like thinking of doing fix and flips, watching the YouTube videos, watching people on Instagram, trying to read all these free books and resources. And we weren't really getting anywhere. And it wasn't until we literally had someone hold our hand to be like, hey, here's how you do it and dumbed it down it's not rocket science, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, it clicked. So when we did that deal right away, we knew, okay, we're going to be the ones doing all of the work. We're going to build the team of the lawyers, accountants, the bookkeepers, right? The property managers. We were going to be the ones doing all the operations and the investors are going to be the silent partners, right? So that's kind of the, the whole realm of how all that worked is we really dug deep into education, took it very seriously, and then we're able to know exactly who does what and how to delegate all of that. Um, you know, and I, I always tell people, it's kind of like the more you learn, the more you earn, right? That's a huge thing. I mean, you know, so many people are like, oh, what's the secret or what's this? There is no secret. Find someone who has done it before, learn from them. What Maybe they're willing to teach you for free. Maybe they want to charge $100,000, right? Who knows? But if they have done what you've done and there's proof of that, because obviously on social media, now there's a lot of, you know, fake gurus and all that other stuff out there, right? Yep. So you want to make sure that they've done it before. But hey, if there's if there's someone that's like, you know, wanting to, if, I, if I'm wanting to do something and I know that someone has done it before and I have a chance to talk to that person and they can men mentor me how to do it, boom, I'll, I'll pay them whatever they want, right? And that's, you know, what I've, I've kind of taken into my whole career. So that was kind of the, the catalyst to the success of, you know, doing that deal. Awesome, man. And so from... Year one now to sounds like year six because now you're 24. Yeah. Uh, how did you amass from the 1.5 million? Was it 1. 1.5, 1.2? 1.5. 1.5 to now 12 million dollars worth of multi uh family apartment. Did you just rinse and repeat and did the same thing over and over? Yes, we scaled it, we just kept on doing it. And we because what happens is you build momentum, right? So the first building, we actually got too involved in it. And we're like, you know, then we became like property managers of it. And then what happens is we we're working too much in the business rather than on the business. So for that first year, we didn't really see much growth. And then we decided to make the transition to focus working on our business rather than in, right? So the next thing you know, we took that success and another deal came up and we just kept on duplicating it and built off that momentum of having that first deal and having the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth. And we just kept on, kept on building it up and up and up and up until we got to uh, building six and seven. And we just kept on building that. And that's kind of the, the big thing because what happens, is, especially in the real estate industry, the, a lot of people, they get hung up on that, that first deal. They get that first deal, they become so obsessed with it. They get so involved with it. You know, they forget that, you know, you got to keep on going, right? You're not going to get rich off this one property. And, you know, my business partner at the time, Bailey, you know, we were like, you know, we're not into this just to have one or two deals and make a little bit of money. We want to have a massive portfolio. So as soon as we got that one, we systemized it. Every, all, all operations are done, then boom, let's go do it again. Boom, let's go do it again. We just kept on hustling and uh, just never looked back. And it, all, all these properties, uh, the multifamily apartment buildings, are all these in Canada? Yes, they're all in Saskatchewan in, their, in, small, in the southeastern region in super small towns. 
And they're the the reason why we went in these small towns is there's they're overlooked a lot of the time. Like, man, these towns have like 400, 500 people living in them, like super small towns in the prairies. And there's potash mines and there's a lot of like industrial jobs out there where people fly in and then they need a place to stay and they'll go work at the place and they'll fly out. So, you know, there was a, a big opportunity that we saw that other people didn't see. A lot of people passed up on these buildings and decided to invest in the bigger cities where we did our more research and found, hey, there's a lot of opportunity in these small towns. And there's a lot of demand for these rentals, but yes. everyone else doesn't see that. They just see a small little town where we saw a small little gold mine. And uh, it's been great. It's been super great. And so what made you go out of your country? And so I see that you have vacation rentals in Costa Rica. Yes. Costa Rica. And uh, what other what are the other countries you have? Yeah. So, yeah. So we've been in uh, uh, USA, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, Costa Rica, and then of course, Canada. And the, the whole thing with that is, you know, building this multifamily real estate portfolio in Saskatchewan, I've always had a bigger dream, bigger vision to like, you know, be in the bigger cities, like be in California, Arizona, travel around the world. That's who I've always been. So I was chasing that dream of, you know, building a real estate portfolio, but at the same time, I wasn't that happy. I still knew that there was something missing. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I decided to, I told my business partner at the time on the multi-panel, like, hey man, I'm going to go do, try some other stuff. And he's like, yeah, totally. So I totally, I just got in my car and drove down to Scottsdale, Arizona. And I started doing Airbnb vacation rentals. It's a new strategy. It was, I, I thought it was so cool. I've always wanted to run a hotel and own a hotel. So Airbnb okay. hotel, kind of the same thing. And I was so excited about it. And the best part is, is that it was a leasing strategy. So we wouldn't go and purchase and go through all these mortgages and all this money down. It was, you know, leasing a property for rent, then subleasing it on Airbnb and keeping Smart. that extra money. And yeah. I was like, so excited by that. I went down to Scottsdale and said, Hey, I'm just going to try this. And I tried it on one. It worked. I started making good money, did another one, another one, another one. And it was going great. And then went all the way back up to Canada and got some more up here. And then at that point, um, I'm with my partner and business partner, Jade, and we're like, Hey, like, let's go to Costa Rica. It was literally, I'm not even joking you a one week decision. We're like, okay, we got properties in Scottsdale. We got properties in Canada. You know, where do you want to go next? And we're like, let's go to Costa Rica. Didn't really know, been there once before, didn't really know anybody, didn't really have a plan, bought a one-way ticket and just went the next week. And we went down there and just figured it out. And, you know, when we were in Costa Rica, we started getting properties using the same model. And then we found uh, some hotel owners where they were willing to lease out their their whole hotel. And we ended up taking that on, turned it into a co-work, oh, wow. co-live uh, co digital nomad hotel. And then we ran a hotel down there. So we were operating in three countries, um, you know, doing great. And then COVID hit and we had to restructure like everything, you know, we can get into that. Um, but yeah, like the whole pursuit of, you know, going to these other countries and other places was a passion project, you know, to be able to, you know, I, I just see like, you know, I want to make sure that with what I'm doing, I'm satisfied with doing it and I'm happy with it. And when I was doing all that multifamily, you know, a lot of people are like, why are you leaving? They're like, why don't you just keep doing this? You know, this is great. And I was like, yeah, that might be great. Might look successful in your eyes or, you know, the eyes of building a big portfolio, but it doesn't bring me that true happiness, you know? And then when I was traveling and experiencing these other cultures and setting up these other properties while making money and building my portfolio, it was just like so much happiness. And even to this day, you know, I enjoy traveling and going to other places, doing business. Yeah. And it's, it's so much fun, you know? So how did you have to adjust 
uh, during COVID as a landlord? Because I have my own story, so I, I feel your pain if you if you did go through any. Uh, so yeah, oh, yeah. what was your adjustment strategy? Oh yeah, man. So to give you guys a context, we got crushed by COVID. So COVID was like my first big um, like punch to the gut, like for sure. Um, you know, because obviously with the the all the multifamily stuff, of course there was mistakes. You know money lost and money there's always little things that happens right but at the end of the day great success we're able to do that right same thing like my other projects but covid was like a like a complete halt right like this it's gonna be in the history books for how long this has been insane and really what happened we're on this high right we have these properties in arizona we have these properties in costa rica and we have this new hotel and the hotel the launch party was on March 17th. And on March 16th, the Costa Rica government announced, hey, we're going into lockdown. This COVID virus is, is happening. And then two weeks after that, we had to get on an emergency plane back to Canada because the uh, Canadian government's like, if you're, if you're abroad and you're Canadian, you, you need to come back because there's going to be no more flights. And we were like, whoa. So this all out of nowhere within a few weeks went from like riding this wave launching our hotel, launching like 20 properties, like feeling at the top, dude, the top of the world, like the income, the concept, our dream hotel, everything was like, how can life get any better? Every, like yeah. everything I ever dreamed of. I, I was dreaming of a hotel for like three years and we've only had it for three months and then everything's going great and we're in busy season so we're making tons of money and then boom, we watched well, like, a very high amount of six figures of income that that was guaranteed in bookings well not guaranteed but in bookings completely get wiped out within six days we watched a really high number of six figures go to completely to zero gone but what didn't go away were those expenses right so we had to negotiate like some a lot of the landlords and a lot of the people we're working with they're like hey absolutely let's work something out and cancel says you know there was a bunch of a lot of people willing to help some weren't, um, you know, but we we're able to um, salvage as best as we can because the tourism in Costa Rica completely went under. Like there was no, there was nothing, you know, in the U.S. and in Canada, we were still able to hold on to lots of our stuff because there was still people needing to quarantine, traveling for certain reasons. There's a lot of uh, nas um, uh, nas um, domestic tourism, right? And needs for domestic travel where in Costa Rica, there, there wasn't. So, you know, down there, we, you know, we lost a lot and it was very, very tough. Um, and same thing with some of our other properties, you had to give them up, but it was like, uh, it was a very pivotal, you know, roadblock. And it was kind of a, you know, a, a, a sign from the universe that, hey, restructure, you know, you know, there's going to be more times coming. So, you know, it was an interesting time for sure. So I will say this. Um, one thing that I had to make an adjustment on was I had to transition the majority of my tenants to rental assistance programs. Now, I'm not sure if there's any in uh, Saskatchewan, Canada. Did I say that right? <laughs> so, Close enough. <laughs> you did good. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm not sure if there are any in that area, but that's definitely how I was able to survive uh, COVID because we had about a 16-month rent moratorium uh, down mm -hmm. here. So, you know, I was just talking to a couple of my other people I was uh, interviewing. Like, you know, we understand 12 months of uh, maybe reserves, you know, six to 12 months of reserves, but anything past 12 months is pretty ridiculous. And I don't know how a lot of landlords can survive. So, uh, but that that is what has helped me stay 
uh, well above well above water is keeping people uh, assisting people getting a re- rental assistance program, whether it's Section Eight or the city provides some type of rental assistance program because they know you know COVID you know got them laid off from their job. Uh, but yeah, that pivot is huge. I I, I agree with you. Uh, it wasn't like your normal recession, like what they talk about, like in two thousand between two thousand five two thousand eight with the housing market, right? It was it was a different one where the homes were going up in prices, but, uh, and the rents were going, you know, staying steady, but people can't pay their rent. So yeah. it's like, it's very weird. Totally. And I see, and the, the weird thing about this one is like, nobody really knew what was going on or how long it was going to last. You know what I mean? There was so many ups and downs and, and it, like, you know, it's been a year, it's been well over a year now. We're finally here in Canada, especially are back to normal as of actually, July 5th here in Calgary, Alberta, no more masks. Everyone almost has their second vaccinations. Like things are finally good. And it's been that long, you know, but nobody really knew what this virus was, what effect it'll have. And like, you know, the difficult part too, like, like um, in Costa Rica was there wasn't any assistance for our business down there. So that was what really crushed us is not only as tourism at zero, lost all the bookings, but we couldn't get any assistance. Right. So like, you know, it was, it was difficult. That's a difficult thing when you are in, in certain countries, you know, it's, it's not always like Canada or the USA, um, you know, with assistance and stuff like that. So it was, it was an interesting time, but like the, the big thing that I always say is I actually had like a, a good friend and mentor tell me this, and this guy's built a massive company and he always tells me it's, it's about the journey, not about the end destination. Right. You know, he's this guy. He's done it. He's, he's built a, a hundred million dollar company. And he told me he's like, he's like the, the the journey was the best part and is the best part. It's not when once you make it, when you're like, ah, oh, that's great. It was all about the journey and those hard times. So when you reframe your mindset to your business being as a journey, you know, rather than just one end destination, there'll be a huge weight off your shoulder. Because what happens is once we, you know, lost everything in Costa Rica and have to restart, I would, it's not like we were just like, oh, like, obviously we were devastated. <laughs> you know, there was a whole week there where we're like, what just happened? And then we bounced back. We're like, it's a journey. We're in this for the long game. Let's get back out there. Right. So, you know, reframing that and having that mindset of it's a journey and it's going to take time rather than just, hey, you know, it's a one, you know, one destination spot. It's going to be a lot different. Awesome. And so what would you consider your best steal, like your best deal that you got? We was like, yo, this is a steal. Like, I can't believe we pulled this off. Totally. I would have to say, um, wow, there's been a lot of different um, opportunities. But honestly, I would have to say it was our, our hotel in Costa Rica because like, you know, um, it was an off market. Like it wasn't even it wasn't even marketed. It was um, you know, our good friend actually, and he was doing, helping us with all of our Airbnb properties, Calvin, he actually was um, fixing our washer machine at our one rental property down there. And I was just talking to him and he, you know, and he, he, he's a jack of all trades. You know, he's our leasing guy. He does everything down there. And he was just like, he's like, yeah, man, like my, my friends have this hotel and, and he's tell, tell me what it's, and they're tired of running it. And they, you know, maybe want some help and yada, yada, yada. And I, was, I just wasn't really interested at the time, right? I'm like, I don't really want to, you know, buy a hotel right now. We got to put all this money down and like, can't get financing down there. So you got to buy it cash and have millions of dollars. And I'm like, no. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, they're, they're thinking of instead of selling renting. And I'm like, what? 
So I'm like, I'm like, let's go look at it. So he hopped on his dirt bike and Jade and I hopped on our pedal bikes and we biked over to this hotel and we met the owners and we checked out this hotel and we're like, this is sick. And we like, you know, did some cool renovations to it and made it super cool and painted our vision all over it. And the owners are super amazing people. And it was just a really cool opportunity to work with them as well and, you know, help them out. You know, they got to get passive income without having to deal with the hospitality industry, which is a crazy, you know, industry to be in. And uh, it was a win-win situation and it, it, it was amazing, but obviously it didn't turn out the way we wanted to with COVID, but I would say that was like our, our best one of like, you know, just perfect opportunity, perfect location, perfect property, uh, perfect owners to deal with and like everything like that. Uh, so I do have a question. So when it comes to you getting these massive deals, uh, is it generally where, hey, my 50% is the fact that I'm running it and then the other 50% of ownership is the people that actually invest or do y'all put your uh, money in? Right. So on the multifamily, like purchasing those assets, it's there's, it depends on the deal. Some of it's 60, 40, some is 50, 50, some 30, 70, like whatever that may be, right? Many different reasons why it can be different, but on a joint venture, so that's what we do, joint venture. So let's just say it's 50, 50, for example, right? So let's say, um, you know, I, I would outline it. Okay, I am bringing, I'm getting 50% and I'm bringing the deal. I'm bringing the expertise. I'm bringing the know-how. I'm bringing the team and I'm doing all the work. I'm the active partner. And then for the other 50% that's remaining, that is just for people that bring the money. So let's say you were bringing the money and let's say we needed $500,000 and you put down the 500,000, you are passive. You don't got to do lift a finger. I'm doing all the work, right? So I know that might sound crazy. Some people out there that might be like, wait, like you're telling me this person, someone's going to put 500,000 in and only get 50 and you're going to put nothing in and get 50%. The thing is, though, is the time, the know-how, and actually getting the deal and putting it all together, like, that person that puts in the 500000 is going to say, wow, like, yeah, I'm glad I'm, you know, they don't have to do anything, right? So that's how that works. And then you also structure the deal properly so that they get their money back in a timely manner so that it's a, it's a good shared split and they get a good return on investment without you taking too much from the deal. So it gets a little bit more complex. At the end of the day, you know, a lot of people say, you know, if, it, you know, there's a lot of money out there, there's way more money out there than there is deals, than there is, you know, um, people willing to put in the work and get these certain returns. So really the value, the value of the, of the partnership, you know, it's both valuable, the money as well as the operational partner, but like the, the amount of time and the get the deal, find the deals, put it together, do all the work. And it's a daily operation. It's like a full-time gig, you know? So it's, um, you know, really important so that's kind of how we structure that I, I haven't put any money into any of my real estate you know i own a lot of real estate and i haven't bought put any money into it i mean i put money into my business to like you know fund certain things but i've never directly put money into one of my deals um to purchase it it's all been in uh, partnerships and so um is this strictly done these these partnerships built off of like operation agreements through your lawyers Yes, absolutely. Yep. So it's a joint venture agreement, which operation agreements, it's, it's all kind of same verbiage. Um, yeah, every single thing, it goes through strictly through our lawyers. And I recommend every single, no matter who you are, right, as a, as a real estate investor, if you're ever partnering with anyone, even your own business partner, you know, get a lawyer to draft something up, it is going to cost some money, but it's going to save you in the long term, right? Because, you know, I've been through many different partnerships, some good, some not so good. You know, and you always want to make sure you have a lawyer 
going through any of your contracts for sure. It's always good to, you know, become good friends with a lawyer too, because once you become good friends with them, they don't charge you for everything. You know, you, you can call them up and have like a 10 minute discussion. They can kind of give you some advice and they're going to charge you. Where if you aren't friends with them, they're going to charge you for that 10 yes. minutes. And I learned that the hard way with our first lawyer, like, Oh man, the bills there were, I just scared to email him because I knew he'd charge me for an email question where now we have a lawyer where it's like, you know, we can call him up, talk to him, hang out. You know, he's not going to charge us every single time when we, you know, do that. So um, yeah, it's really important. You know, it's, it's going off that it's really important to have a power team and a power team. Your, their main members is going to be your lawyer, accountant, bookkeeper, and then a mentor right? That, that's done what you have done before, right? And I, I think there might be more on those, those top ones, on, on the most important ones I can think of right now, right? The ones you it's really talk important to, the to have them. <laughs> yeah, the ones you talk to the most, absolutely. So it's really good to have those people, um, you know, um, uh, dealing with you, right? It's really good to have that right from the start. Here's the thing, even if you don't have any properties or anything, you're just starting out, go and build that team and tell them, Hey, I'm looking to, I'm going to be starting my real estate portfolio. Can I count on you? And can I use your services? Right. So that you have those connections already before you get into a deal. This is awesome information. And I appreciate the way you break it down. So two reasons why I'm appreciative one, because you are, you are helping somebody that may be a little bit intimidated by doing big deals. Right. Uh, you make it very, you know, relatable. And until you're young, right? And so a lot of people may think like maybe a 50 or 55 or 60 year old only could do this, not somebody who's 24 or at the time 18 when you first started. And, and you know what the big difference was? You believed. That was pretty much it. You had some money, you invested in yourself uh, and then you believed in yourself and then you made it happen. And it got other people to believe in an 18 year old with a $1.5 million deal, him and his, uh, and your partner, and so I think that's a very powerful message, man. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of people should think about as far as, okay, okay, this guy can do it, right? And he's so humble, down to earth. All right, let me put my, let me put my mind together. I, I, some people already know a contractor and they already know an electrician and they already know some, a property manager maybe because of family. There's been so many times I talked to somebody like, oh yeah, my uncle, he does plumbing. Oh, my father, he's in the carpentry. All right, well, you already got a partial of your team right there. Uh, now you just got to outsource. I'm pretty sure they already know other people that you could use uh, in order to build a team together. Uh, as we're talking, man, you already got my brain churning about the deals that's in, in my area as well. Uh, so you, you've you also been motivating me too. Uh, so throughout these last six years, what would you say has been your biggest challenge? I know you mentioned one about working on your business instead of in your business, but what's a what's another one? Oh man, the biggest challenge I would say is um, keeping a strong mindset. Now, what I mean by that is as an entrepreneur, like you deal with the, the craziest ups and downs, right? It's, it's insane, you know, you know, and it's, it's always like, you know, good times, bad times, worst times, amazing times. And you know what I mean? Just when you're riding a high, boom, you're getting, you know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. like, Costa Rica, here we are planning our, our, uh, launch party. You know, we're trying to, we're getting a tattoo artist, like live tattoos, oh, wow, DJ, yeah. like as we're doing that and money's coming in the next day, all of a sudden we have to leave the country and shut down our business. And it's like, like, how do you, you know, what, where's the mental, the mental game of that, of riding a high to then losing everything. And yeah. really like over the past six years, it's always been like that. You know, it's, 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 you know, dealing with anxiety, dealing with, 
you know, um, not, you know, the fear of the unknown, you know, the six ghosts of fear that Napoleon Hill calls it. So I would say the oh, okay. diff- most difficult thing has been the mindset. So what I do, and I tell a lot of people is focus on your mindset, read personal development books, meditate, really, you know, um, focus on your personal growth and development, because here's the biggest thing that happens. This happened to me. I let my business go way up here, way to the top. But my mindset and my personal development level was still down here. So there was a big gap between this, right? I had this big portfolio, but my mental game wasn't up there, right? So then I had to, you know, get some more personal development, learn more, become, a, you know, grow my mindset so okay. that I can become a better person and show up more fully in that. So, and I still, to this day, you know, I work my mindset nonstop because really what's stopping a lot of people from achieving great things is their mindset. You know, it's not. You know, it's not having the certain resources. It's not having X, Y, Z. It's their mindset. So, I, li- I like that, man. And uh, I think, like you said, right? You said you're very impatient, so you want to do everything so quick. So yeah. I can see that happening, right? Things like happen so quick. You're like, oh shoot, I gotta catch up, which is yeah. not a bad problem to have when you think about it. <laughs> totally. Know, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that would uh, love to be in your position. And so uh, moving forward, right, as things are getting better, uh, you know, COVID is subsiding as far as at least the effects or people affected is subsiding. Uh, what is your next uh, goal with your real estate portfolio? Absolutely. Um, is A goal right now is to become the largest um, short to medium term rental company, you know, in North America. Right now, we're one of the largest in Western Canada. It's Cube, K-U-B-E um and stay with cube is what we go by and uh we've got a bunch of short-term rentals and vacation rentals here in western canada and we plan to just continue to scale that and all across canada go back to the united states go back to Costa Rica, and really just build that portfolio uh back up really quickly and uh you plan to stay on the uh, western part of the world or you want to go even to the eastern part oh all over all over like everywhere like i want to go as far as like Tokyo, like, you know, I want to go to Europe too, like, like Australia, like literally everywhere. I want to go all over the world and do this. Uh, so I got a question. How are you able to manage everything? Do you have uh, employees in place to just, you know, give you board meetings to update you on things? Like how are you able to manage all of this? Yes. Technology. You need to implement technology. Here's the biggest thing is that a lot of real estate mentors out there and the way that real estate is done is it's predominantly a way older demographic, right? It's like 50s, 60s, right? And year olds, right? So when I first got into real estate, I was like, wow, like nobody's really using like, you know, virtual assistants, right? They're not really using all of these, uh, even just tech as a whole, right? So what I do and what our company does, we have many, we have tons of employees, tons of subcontractors, and we do everything online like as long as i have my phone and my ipad i have my business right so all of our other partners and employees it's all um virtual right and of course in certain centers like here in calgary we do have on the ground people that live here that need to go to the properties and do stuff but as for our whole like operational team and our admin team it's all online and that's how we're able to do that is build an online team that's awesome so i'm they're different they're all in different area codes uh though time zones so yes so uh the philippines is where the we have quite a bit of our team members so it's like the complete opposite um so we we have a team of them that some work nights some work days so it kind of equals out and balances out so we're we're a 24 7 company which is the cool thing 
Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing that more and more, especially with the wholesalers, uh, you know, making the uh, cold calls and the cold texts. They're having uh, they're employing people in the Philippines to do that. So as they're sleeping or about to go to bed, they're up and they're sending out uh, cold calls, cold texts uh, to see how many pings they can get. Which is oh, and I meant to ask you earlier. So I don't know if I yeah I did. How are you finding these de- off market deals? Are they all off market? No. Well, kind of, yeah, yes and no. I mean, the big thing is is network, right? You need to network. You need to show up at events. You need to, you know, um, uh, you know, it's it, the whole thing. If it's not what you know, it's who you know. That was how I actually got all my apartment building deals was because I networked and found the right people to talk to that had access to deals or were the ones that had the deals themselves and owned it. Right. And that's the thing is that too many here's So here's the thing is like, you know, a lot of young people that are getting into real estate, they think they can just, you know, they, they can network with a younger crowd that's just on social media. And that's great. Like, a, you know what I mean? Networking with a younger social media crowd that's in real estate, but you still need to show up to the hotel conference you know, old, you know, demographic real estate investing events, because those are the people that usually own all these big assets, right, that might want to get rid of them or have connections for other people, right? So that was my big thing is, you know, here I was this 17, 18 year old kid showing up to the these events and like the, the hundreds of people and the next youngest person is like, you know, 40, right? And I was that person that then showed up. And the best part is I stood out more, right? But that's the thing is you need to network, 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 and you need to show up in person. You need to, you know, be so diversified in, um, you know, in the uh, real estate community and make sure you're well known so that people are starting to call you. And we've even had people call us, you know, message us too. of like, hey, you know, we got these deals. Hey, like I own this property. Hey, you know, I heard about you. So that's kind of the biggest thing is be seen, be heard and show up to events. Uh, that is the common thing I am hearing is network. Uh, it gets to the point where you're not even looking up deals anymore. People are presenting them to you and yes. you're able to try to, you're doing the best you can to make the numbers work. And yeah. at that point, it, like you said earlier, momentum, you, you, uh, you start gaining momentum. Uh, that's pretty yeah. dope because and you, uh, really quick, you got to network with the right people. That's a big thing because I've networked times with people that, you know, weren't really doing much. So I wasn't really doing much. So once I started networking with high level people that were doing lots of deals and were taking massive action and had a growth positive mindset, then my life started to change, right? So it's really important of who you're networking with as well. Do you find the people that are doing really well to be very like giving of information and help? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. The people, the people that are doing the most, you know, are usually the ones that are so like really willing to help right? They're very much willing to help, right? And they're, they're very nice people. That was the biggest thing is like, I was willing to go and call up hotel owner to call up people that owned, you know, tons of real estate and say, Hey, this is who I am. I'm young, getting real estate. What advice do you have? Or can you mentor me? A lot of the times they're like, Hey, I got some great advice, but like, I'm busy. I can't mentor you. Right. And it wasn't until someone said, Hey, I can mentor you that, you know, I got that mentor. But at the end of the day, you know, nobody ever shut my shut me down. And they're not going to, right? Maybe the odd person, but the majority of them, they're happy. They want to see that other success in people. And even like me, someone reaches out to me and they're like, hey, I got some questions or something. Absolutely, I'll come help you out, right? Am I going to be there every single day and every single hour? Absolutely not. But will I be there to, you know, answer some questions and give you some advice? For sure. And, you know, that's one of the, the big things there, you know? And I mean, when it does come down to, you know, reaching out and really getting people, um, you know, into your network and stuff too is, 
you know, really do some research on them, ask them some questions, right? And really see what they've done, who they've been associated with. So you can really make sure you're networking with the right people. That's awesome. I'm glad you, you added that last part in about making sure you're networking with the right people. Um, so far as, you know, my experience with uh, networking with individuals in the real estate game, mostly everybody's been pretty honest with what they're doing. I, I think partially because they're, they're just so proud of what they're doing to begin with. Like, Hey, look, man, I'm, I'm just happy to have these 12 units that I got and I'm running them well. And, you know, and then you have somebody that says, Hey, I got 300 units and this is what we're doing. Uh, and everybody so far has been very willing to give information, uh, especially if they're doing well. Uh, I've been, I've noticed that very willing to give information, very willing to help as much as they can, you know, obviously, cause some people are very busy and, uh, I just love the, the, the environment, the, the culture of this real estate world is, Hey man, give, 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 uh, not like hold the information on tight. Cause I don't want nobody else to know. And I'm not sure if there is any other, uh, niche that's like that, but I love, I love the culture, man. That's another thing that's kept me kind of motivated because, uh, the hard thing is when you have a passion for something and then some guy that, or girl that's been in the business for 20, 30 years just dampens your dreams. Like it's not what it's supposed to be, kid. Like it's not what it's cracked up to be. Get out the game while you can. You know, you're like, but I, I grew up wanting to do this, you know? Yep. So. <laughs> and d- d- going off that is one thing I've realized is the ones that are usually doing the least always have the most amount to say and are the most negative. I, the amount of real estate events I've ever been to, the, like, the amount of real estate events I've been to, like, I have seen some very negative people and they're just like, oh, now is not the time to be buying. Oh, that leasing strategy and doing Airbnb, are you kidding me? No, that will never work here, yada, yada. And then I'll ask, you know, nicely, I'll be like, oh, yeah, like, what's your experience? Have you done it before? No. What's in your real estate before that? Well, I haven't done anything yet. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to take your advice, right? I'll be nice to you. I'm a very nice person. Right? I'm not going to shun someone, but I'll be like, hey, yeah, that's, that's good input. Thanks. I'll go talk to someone else. You know what I mean? And that's what you usually see. I mean, you know, and I, I never forget I had a mentor, Gary, my first ever mentor. And I'd, we were at an event and he said, hey, like, you know, a lot of these people here, make sure you're careful who you listen to and who you take advice from. Because a lot of these people have been coming to these events for years and years and years and still don't have a single property. And they're usually the ones that have the most to say, you know, and uh, that's what I've found. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that's the thing. Right. So I, I've seen that a lot. Awesome, man. I, I appreciate your positivity. I think, like I said, this is contagious because you got my again, man, you got my brain churning on the possibilities to be uh you made it through COVID. Congratulations. Right. Thank you. Uh, you're a survivor. And uh, I think that from the last 18 months, right, those of us that had everything going sweet or those of us that ha- had learned a little bit and was thinking we had more time to do before we got through something similar to 2008. I think we've we've learned a lot from it and not to and we've learned to not let it make us bitter. You know, unfortunately, there was obviously a lot of people that was affected, but um, this is where proper planning and good structure definitely save the day uh, and why I stand by it uh, with any business, right? Any business, but uh, especially even real something like real estate where people need a place to live and that can still be effective, right? So even the most necessary uh, service uh, is affected. So I don't want anybody to think that, hey, as long, you know, the cash flow is going to keep coming because you're always going to have somebody in there. Yeah, you'll have somebody in there, but whether they be paying rent or not is uh, <laughs> is definitely up to whatever's going on in the world or, you know, uh, if you screen them properly. Totally, man. And like the big thing is, too, is like 
at the end of the day, when you think, when you see it as a journey and you enjoy doing what you're doing, like, you know, it, it doesn't matter what's going to come your way, whether, whether it's a big pitfall, whether it's economic crash, global pandemic, whatever it may be, you know, if you're passionate about it and you're, you're in it for the right reasons, you have a strong enough why, I mean, you just bounce back, keep going. Awesome, man. So what is your big why since you're saying why, what's your rich state of mind? Yeah, I would say it, like it's a combination of quite a bit, but really what it is, is it's like, you know, it's, it's cliche, but you only have one life, you know, like there after, after this, nothing. So for me, I know time is very valuable, which is why when I want to do something, I do it right. I, I don't wait. Right. If I want to, you know, travel and do something, I go and do it. If I want to be able to, you know, make a bunch of money, build a business, make a bunch of money, sell it and be able to take care of family and other people. It's like, I want to do that. Right. So really just, you know, having that thought and uh, having a list of all the things I want to do in my life, you know, um, really fires me up when I think about that. And it really kicks me into gear to keep on going and to uh, not stop because, you know, at any moment, you know, life can happen. It could all be done. Right. So, you know, like, you know, I always tell people, you know, if I was to walk out of this uh, office here and something was to happen to me, which hope it doesn't but if it did i would die happily because like i'm living full out every single day that i don't have any regrets i don't have anything i'm like waiting on and nothing i'm like ah, oh, like what if i would have done this you know I'm, I'm doing it right and every time it does cross my mind of like ah, oh, like you know there's that one thing i've always wanted to do i write that down and i make sure i plan to do it or go do it right away right so that's kind of one thing i i love to live by it's funny you say that man so um it's definitely interesting that you said it because yesterday my car caught on fire uh, as oh, I was driving. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a sucker for beaters, man. I like like fixing up cars from scratch. Yeah. And like so, but I don't know what happened with this one. Like uh, I'm I think it smelled like it was electrical fire. So I'll find out like on Tuesday. So because I don't like car notes, I just like paying for cash and putting yeah. parts and stuff. So uh, you know, I was been processing it for the last. Uh, let's just say 18 hours, no, 24 hours. Cause about, it's been about 24 hours now since it happened. And there's something you said that made me say, as I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm, I'm picturing myself, looking at my car and like thinking like, you know, that could have been me inside that car burning up. Right. And I'm like, okay, you think about your life and the things that you've accomplished, your family and everything like that. And I'm like, you know what, Aunt? you could do better. You're not done yet. And so um, you're right. You only got one life and you got to live it to the fullest. And you got to put the, uh, your most into it because you don't want to, let's just say for the split second before you lose your life, or maybe you're on your deathbed and you can process everything. You're like, man, I missed out on some cool opportunities for myself and for my family. And so uh, I owe that to myself and my loved ones to make sure I give my, my life the best I can. So thank you for that message, man. Yeah, no problem. And to add on one more thing on that, and that's a cool experience you shared there is, you know, in, in moments like that, you realize, you know, some of the problems you have in your life aren't real problems, right? And it's, it's totally irrelevant, unless it's your health. I mean, what, what are real, you know, real problems? We all have problems in our business. We all have these different things that come up, bad tenants, bad this and that. And I used to let all that get to me. But, you know, when, you know, whether you've ever lost someone close to you or you've had something traumatic happen to you, you start to look at the actual reason of why we're all here and how precious life is and how, you know, you might be letting something so small that's so irrelevant be taking so much effect on you. You know, it could uh, really opens the mindset up. And that's why I go back to it. It's always good to focus on your mindset 
and learn a lot of personal development stuff, I highly recommend Bob Proctor and Earl Nightingale. Amazing, amazing people. Right. And so, old school. So it's awesome. Yeah, very. Um, you know, like they, they are not. Definitely oh, yeah. they've died before probably my parents were born. Yes. Well, Bob, <laughs> so Bob is still kicking it at like 80, okay. 86, and he's still doing live events. But Earl, oh, yeah, like he's, yeah, he's, he's old school. But it's like, it's really cool, like their you know, psychology behind everything and, and their, their teaching. So I, I highly recommend checking those things out. Also, I appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to make sure that I play this back so I can make sure I add the link at the uh, totally. bottom of the YouTube description so people could click on that and uh you know check out their content man it's been a pleasure man i really appreciate you taking this time man and i love your positivity you can do attitude and your hey anything is possible attitude at that too <laughs> awesome thank you so much man i really appreciate you having me on here awesome